And, uh, you know, oh, well, we, we got to, you're going to have to sign a whole another three-year contract. I didn't have the money to sign a one-year contract. Anyway, the, the thing is, we now are, I'm working on another website, and I'm going back to my original host, Bravehost, and here's how you can get to my new website. Right now, it's not, it's nothing there. Just a page to get you to where you are right now. But it will be up, and if you want to make a donation, you can go to this website. Please make a donation. You can go to this website, and we'll be very happy to take your money. <laughs> anyway, so it is O-T-R-N-R. Old time rock and roll, of course. So it's O-T-R-N-R dot bravehost dot com. Red Buttons. This is about 1952. Red Buttons became the hottest comedian on television. And it all started because of a record that he sang called Strange Things Are Happening. And he would put his hand at the side of his ear and go, Ho, ho, hee, hee, strange things are happening. The, the country went wild. They gave him a show for two years. He did Red Button's career, which spanned 50 years, including Oscar nominations, Academy Awards, uh, you name it, Red Buttons had it. Here he is with Strange Things Are Happening. Ho, ho. Ho, ho. He, he. Ha, ha. Strange things are happening. Strange things are happening. I once had a teacher who flunked me in history. She asked who shot Lincoln. I answered, don't blame me. Ho ho. He he. Ha ha. Strange things are happening. Someone who's sweet 16 Now I'm so embarrassed Her ears are turning green Ho, ho Ho, ho Hee, hee Hee, Ha, ha Ha, ha Strange things are happening the strangest scene One kid thought of TV and tried to dial the screen Ho, ho! Ho, ho! Hey, hey! Just never cease What looks like my nephew Turns out to be my niece Ho, ho Ho, ho Hee, hee
Ah, uh, this is Rocky Buttons, and I want to tell you the strangest things happened to me. <laughs> Sometimes performers make fun of other performers. And you're going to hear some other examples of that later on. But back in the 70s, Roger Miller, just like Guy Mitchell before him and Red Buttons before him, got a television show on the basis of his records. And they thought he was popular enough to to make a, a show of success. Of course, it wasn't. And, but Roger Miller still is a great singer. He, <laughs> I'm going to play some a little bit later on, and in fact, but this one is a pure. <laughs> I don't know if it's a dig, uh, good-naturedly, I'm sure. Uh, but listen to this. This is Homer and Jethro, and the ballad of Roger Miller. <laughs> Roger Miller was the toast of the folks from coast to coast. He was a big-time operator. Seems like yesterday to me, back in Nashville, Tennessee. He used to run the elevator. Here's to Roger Miller, the Kansas City star. He made a million, strumming his guitar, picking and a grinning. Sitting on a stool Here's to Roger Miller The crazy and the cool Every song he ever read Soon became a record hit Showbiz was tough But he was tougher When old Roger would vocalize He would always close his eyes He couldn't stand to see him suffer Here's to Roger Miller, the Kansas City star. He made a million, strumming his guitar. Picking and a-grinning, sitting on the stool. Here's to Roger Miller, the crazy and the cool. Andy Williams, all the rest, had a Roger as a guest. He even won himself a Grammy But he soon found out, I guess Money can't buy happiness He gave it all to Uncle Sammy To the network he did go Starring in a TV show We thought he'd be a big sensation But old Roger's up the creek After only 13 weeks they handed him a cancellation Here's to Roger Miller, the Kansas City star He made a million, strumming his guitar Picking and a grin, sitting on a stool Here's to Roger Miller, the crazy and the Uncle used to love me, but she died. A chicken ain't chicken till it's licking good fried. Keep on the sunny side. My uncle used to love me, but she died. 
Who'll bid me quarter thirty cents for a ring of keys, three sixty-five for a dollar bill of groceries? I'll have me a car, my own someday, but till then I need me a ride. My uncle used to love me, but she died. My uncle used to love me, but she died. A chicken ain't chicken till it's licking good fried. Keep on a sunny side. My uncle used to love me, but she died. Hamburger, cup of coffee, lettuce, and tomato. Two times a dime, see a man kiss the alligator. One more time around free on the Ferris wheel ride. My uncle used to love me, but she died. My uncle used to love me, but she died. A chicken ain't chicken till it's licking good fried. Keep on a sunny side. My uncle used to love me, but she died. Apples are for eating and snakes are for hissing. I've heard about a hugging and I've heard about kissing. I read about a free and a fifty cent illustrated guide. My uncle used to love me, but she died. My uncle used to love me, but she died. A chicken ain't chicken till it's licking good fried. Keep on the sunny side. My uncle used to love me, but she died. Well, my uncle used to love me, but she died. A chicken ain't chicken till it's licking good fried. Okay, there was the ballad of Roger Miller by Homer and Jethro, and then Roger Miller himself with My Uncle Used to Love Me, But He Died. But She Died, excuse me. I always make that mistake. And here we go. This this next one, um, here's something that, that's absolutely true by Tom Lehrer, and it's about people who just don't like other types of people. And they are that way, a lot of them. But here's Tom Lehrer, and it's a great one. It's called, Who's Next? I know some people feel that marriage as an institution is dying out, but I disagree. And the point was driven home to me rather forcefully not long ago by a letter I received, which said, Darling, I love you, and I cannot live without you. Marry me, or I will kill myself. Well, I was a little disturbed at that until I took another look at the envelope and saw that it was addressed to occupant. Speaking of love, one problem that recurs more and more frequently these days in books and plays and movies is the inability of people to communicate with the people they love, husbands and wives who can't communicate, children who can't communicate with their parents and so on. And the characters in these books and plays and so on, and in real life, I might add, spend hours bemoaning the fact that they can't communicate. I feel that if a person can't communicate, the very least he can do is to shut up. One of the big news items of the past year concerned the fact that China, which we call Red China, exploded a nuclear bomb, which we called a device. (laughs) Then Indonesia announced that it was going to have one soon, and proliferation became the word of the day. Here's a song about that. We got the bomb and that was good Cause we love peace and motherhood Then Russia got the bomb but that's okay Cause the balance of powers maintained that way Who's next? France got the bomb but don't you grieve Cause they're on our side, I believe China got the bomb but have no fears They can't wipe us out for at least five years Who's next? 
Hub and Indonesia claim that they were gonna get one any day. South Africa wants two, that's right, one for the black and one for the white. Who's next? Egypt's gonna get one too, just to use on you know who. So Israel's getting tense, wants one in self-defense. The Lord's our shepherd, says the psalm, but just in case, we better get a bomb. <laughs> Who's the next? A Luxembourg is next to go, and who knows, maybe Monaco. We'll try to stay serene and calm when Alabama gets the bomb. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? One week of every year is designated National Brotherhood Week. This is just one of many such weeks honoring various worthy causes. One of my favorites is National Make Fun of the Handicapped Week, which, uh, which Frank Fontaine and Jerry Lewis are in charge of, as you know. During National Brotherhood Week, various special events are arranged to drive home the message of brotherhood. This year, for example, on the first day of the week, Malcolm X was killed, which gives you an idea of how effective the whole thing is. <laughs> I'm sure we all agree that we ought to love one another, and I know there are people in the world who do not love their fellow human beings, and I hate people like that. <laughs> Here's a song about National Brotherhood Week. The white folks hate the black folks, and the black folks hate the white folks. To hate all but the right folks is an old established rule. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, Lena Horn and Sheriff Clark are dancing cheek to cheek. It's fun to eulogize the people you despise as long as you don't let them in your school. Poor folks hate the rich folks, and the rich folks hate the poor folks. All of my folks hate all of your folks. It's American as apple pie. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, New Yorkers love the Puerto Ricans cause it's very chic. Step up and shake the hand of someone you can't stand. You can tolerate him if you try. Protestants hate the Catholics, and the Catholics hate the Protestants, and the Hindus hate the Muslims, and everybody hates the Jews. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, it's national. Everyone smile at one anotherhood week. Be nice to people who are inferior to you. It's only for a week, so have no fear. Be grateful that it doesn't last all year. All right, that was two from Tom Lehrer. Very much appreciated. Oh, I loved him. Now, I got a request. Now, you know, normally I do requests on my request shows. 
But this guy said to me, and this is Bruce Stein, and he and he said, "Look, I don't know if you want to play this because uh, you may. This is not exactly a politically correct song these days." And I said, "Look at what I've done on the Italian show, the Jewish show, the uh, Hispanic show, and, and, you know, making those stereotypical um, voices and stuff." I was even going to do. I don't want to do Charlie Chan, um, but you know, it's, it's funny, but. People can't make fun of themselves anymore. That's bad. But that's another story. He asked for a song called Big Bruce. And I think you're going to love it. Here's Steve Greenberg and Big Bruce. The folk history of America is the history of its heroes. Big working men like John Henry, Paul Bunyan, and Big Bad John. But today I'd like to introduce a new folk hero. He didn't work in a mine or on a railroad or any of those strenuous occupations. He worked in a beauty salon, and his name was Bruce. Well, every day at the salon, you can see him arrive. He stood six foot six, weighed 105. He's kind of narrow in the shoulders, narrow in the hips, with a curl in his hair and a smile on his lips. Big Bruce. Big bad Bruce. No one seems to know where Bruce came from. Never said much, kind of quiet and shy, and when he spoke at all, it was just to say hi, Big Bruce. Big Bad Bruce. Some say he came from New Orleans, where he had a social group called the Cajun Queens. Some say Hollywood or Beverly Hills, where he Got arrested for passing three dollar bills. That's Bruce. Then came the day of that terrible fire. Something went wrong in the number five dryer. Into the chaos of those matronly days when Big Bad Bruce had just a fan in the flames. Big Bruce. Big bad Brucey Woosey. Well, the flames grew higher and the fire got worse. And someone heard Brucey cry, Mercy, I forgot my purse. Into the fire with a squeal and a shout. We waited an hour, but he never came out. Poor Bruce. Salon once stood is a grocery store, but his name will live forevermore in the annals of time and in the hall of fame as a gay young cat who went down in flames. Big Bruce. You might say this has been kind of a fairy tale. Nobody could make classical music less boring. 
and Victor Borga. So here is Victor Borga on Rachmaninoff. So for my fourth and last number, <laughs> I'm going to play excerpts from Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto, number two, that is, by Rachmaninoff, of course, who also wrote the music for this concerto. This is a piano concerto for piano and concerto. And was originally written for approximately 95-piece symphony orchestra. <coughs> Due to circumstances beyond my control, <laughs> we seem to be approximately 95 pieces short. <laughs> but you won't notice the difference because I play it very fast. This concerto was written in four flats because Rachmaninoff had to move four times while he wrote it. <laughs> and of course I play excerpts. <laughs> I don't know the whole thing. That's <laughs> the Steinway people have asked me to announce that this is a Baldwin piano. Pardon me for sitting down while I play. <laughs> Pardon my back. <laughs> Pardon my front. <laughs> but that's the way I'm built. <laughs> Speaking of pianos... Many people have asked me why there are three petals in these grand pianos. Well, the petal in the middle is there to separate the two other petals. <laughs> which might be bad news for people with three feet. Rachmaninoff, <laughs> second piano concerto. When you hear this... is the introduction. <laughs> and when you hear this, <laughs> that is the main theme. Then when you hear this, There's definitely something wrong because that's Tchaikovsky. <laughs> Andy Griffith is one of those few performers who's still around and still alive and still kicking. When Andy Griffith first started out uh, with uh, the his, you know, no time for sergeants and um, facing the crowd, uh, he had already been a stand-up comedian, and his first ever show you know as far as national exposure was the Ed Sullivan show and he did this piece on a hillbilly 
watching a football game. It was back last October, I believe it was. We was going to hold a tent service off at this college town. And we got there about dinner time on Saturday. And uh, different ones of us thought that we ought to get us a mouthful to eat before that we set up the tent. And so we got off of the truck and followed this little bunch of people through this small little bitty patch of woods there. And we come up on a big sign. It says, get something to eat here. And uh, I went up and got me two hot dogs and a big orange drink. And before that I could take every mouthful of that food, this whole raft of people come up around me and got me to where I couldn't eat nothing, up like, and I dropped my big orange drink. I did. Well, friends, they commenced to move, and they want so much that I could do but move with them. Well, we commenced to go through all kinds of doors and gates, and I don't know what all, and I looked up over one of them, and it says, North Gate. And we kept on going through there, and pretty soon we come up on a young boy. And he says, Ticket, please. And I says, Friend, I don't have a ticket. I don't even know where it is that I'm going. <laughs> I did. Well, he says, Come out as quick as you can. And I says, I'll do her. I'll turn right around the first chance I get. <laughs> well, we kept on moving through there, and pretty soon everybody got where it was that they was a going. Because they parted, and I could see pretty good. I, I could. And what I seen was this whole raft of people a-setting on these two banks and a-looking at one another across this pretty little green cow pasture. Well, there was. And somebody had tucked and drawed white lines all over it and drove posties in it, and I don't know what all. And I looked down there, and I seen five or six convicts running up and down and blowing whistles. They was. And then I looked down there, and I seen these pretty girls wearing these little bitty short dresses and a-dancing around. And so I sat down and thought I'd see what it was that was going to happen. I did. And about the time I got set down good, I looked down there and I seen 30 or 40 men come running out of one end of a great big outhouse down there. <laughs> they did. And everybody where I was a-sitting got up and hollered. And about that time, 30 or 40 come running out of the other end of that outhouse and the other bank full, they got up and hollered. And I asked this fellow that was besetting beside of me, I says, friend, what is it that they're hollering for? Well, he whopped me on the back and he says, buddy, have a drink. <laughs> well, I says, I believe I will have another big orange. <laughs> and I got it and sat back down. And when I got down there again, I seen that them men had got in two little bitty bunches down there. They had rail close together. And they voted. <laughs> they did. They voted and elected one man apiece. And them two men come out in the middle of that cow pasture and shook hands like they hadn't seen one another in a long time. And then a convict come over to where they was a standing, and he took out a quarter, and they come in to odd man right there. <laughs> they did. Well... After a while, I seen what it was that there's odd man in for. It was that both bunches full of them men wanted this funny-looking little pumpkin to play with. 
They did, and I know, friends, that they couldn't eat it because they kicked it the whole evening and it never busted. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, what I was telling was that both bunches full wanted that thing, and one bunch got it, and it made the other bunch just as mad as they could be. And, friends, I seen that evening the awfulest fight that I have ever seen in my life. I did. They would run at one another and kick one another and throw one another down and stomp on one another and grind their feet in one another and I don't know what all. And just as fast as one of them would get hurt, they'd tote him off and run another them. <laughs> Well, they'd done that as long as I sat there. But pretty soon, this boy that had said, Ticket, please, he come up to me and he says, Friends, you're going to have to leave because it is that you don't have a ticket. And I says, Well, all right. And I got up and left. And I don't know, friends, to this day what it was that there's a doing down there, but I have studied about it. And I think that it's some kindly of a contest where they see which bunchful of them men can take that pumpkin and run from one end of that cow pasture to the other without either getting knocked down or stepping in something. Here's Mr. Magoo, Jim Backus, and friend, and a hilarious record that was done in the early 50s called Delicious. Ooh, we're gonna have fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's a cozy table, isn't it? <laughs> and champagne, my dear. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do like it. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> You want some more? Mm, delicious. <laughs> I knew you'd like it, you always. <laughs> oh, have some more. Get the waiter and hombre. Oh, oh, put on the paper hat. <laughs> 
himself and his accordion. Here's Weird Al and My Bologna. 
package of mine Hold on now, ooh, I think the toast is done Toast is done Top it with a little of my banana Never gonna stop, eat it up Such a tasty snack, I always eat too much And throw up, but I'll soon be back to my, 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 yai, yai, woo! My banana Mustard now, show me how. Spread it on a little of this banana. Hoping that we don't run out, don't run out. If we do, I'm sure that I'll miss bologna. Never gonna stop, eat it up. Such a tasty snack, I always eat too much and throw up. But I'll soon be back for my, 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 yai, yai, woo! My, 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 my bologna. My, 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 my bologna. Shopping aisles, shopping aisles, filling up my basket with Oscar Myers. Never gonna stop, eat it up. Such a tasty snack, I always eat too much and throw up. But I'll soon be back for my, 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 yeah, yeah, woo! My, 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 yeah, yeah, woo! My, 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 Weird Al Yankovic and his first My Bologna. This uh, this next bit, what can you say? This man was one of the very first black stand-up comedians, and and he was good. He he that he was. Uh, not only good at that, but he was good at everything he's done. Uh, the Cosby Show and the uh, so much else that this man has done over the past 50 years. Here's Bill Cosby from his original album called Ride. Here is a nut in every car. I am not from New York City. I was born in Philadelphia, raised in Philadelphia, educated in Philadelphia. And uh, for those of you that... If you plan to come into New York at any time soon, don't take bring a lot of money with you. It's the greatest city in the world. You can get all the entertainment you want for only 15 cents. Ride any of the subway trains that they have here. It's marvelous. Not only will they take you where you want to go and bring you back, but they go out of their way to entertain you. They put a nut in every car. <laughs> you get on any subway car, some nut will stand up, the Lord will kill you if you don't sit down here. <laughs> I saw a three-act show from West 4th Street up to 125th Street. First act was this woman that went around condemning everyone. She got off at 23rd Street. She was so great we gave her a standing ovation. She got back on, did an encore up to 34th Street. At 34th Street, she was replaced by 200 high school kids who went through the car, cut up the seats and the people. 
Well, while I was enjoying this, I figured I'd go and look at the next car and see if they had a show going, and they did. They had a group participation show going, where everybody in the car was trying to pull in this one guy who had his leg caught in the doorway. So I just dollied back into my car, and I saw that a crowd had just, just a crowd grouped around, and I saw these arms flailing and all this noise. And what I thought was a karate demonstration turned out to be two old ladies taking a seat from a wino. <laughs> so the old ladies and the kids all did a high kickoff at 81st Street, and on came one wino, and he talked to the other, and the guy nudged me, and he said, these are the stars of the car. They come on every time. <laughs> and they talked to each other, and the whole thing was titled Incoherency. And one wino looked at the other and said, you, uh, you, you went on the motorcycle when the cab was rigged when I reached back and you didn't say it everybody. Well, sports, you can't lie bad, you're stacking roll braids tonight, everybody. I'm going to ask you a question. Go ahead, sport. Did you run over the motorcycle when the cabin hacked when they was reading and dressed something with the home dragons? No. So uh, I talked to him after the show was over, and I said, I think you guys are really great. Uh, where do you go from here? And he said, well, one by one, they take us over to the Greyhound bus station, and they let us announce where the buses are going. <laughs> See, what they do is they get the guys all juiced up, you know, it's... Uh, Bus leaving on station number seven four, Rebusack, Harvard Sober, Sack, and North Rebus Highway. Here is the Chad Mitchell trio. They did some tremendous funny songs back in the sixties. Protest group, folk singers, whatever you want to call them. They did it all. They did the ballad of Lizzie Borden. And here's another one they did, and it's quite interesting. It's called Super Skier, and it is to the tune of the MTA by the Kingston Trio. Well, they called him Super Skier as he sat around the sun deck, for he swore that he would never take a spill. When they finally brought him down, they had to use three toboggans to carry all the pieces down the hill. He was coming down the south to Nagy Miles an hour when he caught an edge of his ski. Well, his pals, they were fast, but the slope, they were faster. That's the last of super skier we shall see. Well, he hollered, what the hell, as he lined them parallel. He figured there was nothing more to learn. And as he started on his way, he shouted, on the way, assuming that he'd never have to turn. Well, he was slipping down that slope to him 90 miles an hour when a mogul flipped him in the air. His jumping form was fine until he ran into that pine and two one-legged skiers left from there. He was coming down that slope to 90 miles an hour when he caught an edge on his ski. Well, his clothes, they were fast, but the slopes, they were faster. That's the last of super skier we shall see. When he left that tree at last, he was moving twice as fast. Both calves were skimming moguls like a feather. He said, if I must be a split personality, how can I ever keep my knees together? One steep was headed north, and the other headed west. Because both of them, you see, were running freer. 
And folks up on Little Nell looked up scared as hell, said it's a bird. No, it's a plane. It's Super Skier. No, it's a bird. <laughs> he was coming down as fast as in many miles an hour when he caught an edge of his skier. Well, his clothes, they were fast, but the smokes, they were faster. That's the last of Super Skier we shall see. Now the moral of my story, though my story's kind of gory. For all you Sunday Charlies, there's still hope. You buy the fastest clothes you can, then talk skiing like a man. But don't let me forget you on the slope. Well, he was coming down the south to a miles an hour when he caught an edge of his ski. Well, his fellows, they were fast, but the slopes, they were fast, and that's the last of super skier we shall see. And let's get Charlie up the MTA. Here's Larry Grochi from the 1960s and Junk Food Junkie, and I'm sure we all know some of those. You know I love that organic cooking, I always ask for more. And they call me Mr. Natural, on down to the health food store. I only eat good sea salt, white sugar don't touch my lips. And my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips. Yes, they are. All but night, I take out my strong box that I keep under lock and key. And I take it off to my closet where nobody else can see. I open that door so slowly, take a peek up north and south. Then I pull out a hostess Twinkie and I pop it in my mouth. Yeah, in the daytime I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night I'm a junk food chunky. Good Lord, have pity on me. Well, at lunchtime you can always find me at the Whole Earth Vitamin Bar. Just sucking on my plain white yogurt from my hand-thrown pottery jar. And sipping a little hand-pressed cider with a carrot stick for dessert. And wiping my face in a natural way on the sleeve of my peasant shirt. Oh, yeah. Ah, but when that clock strikes midnight and I'm all by myself, I work at combination on my secret hideaway shelf. And I pull out some Fritos corn chips, Dr. Pepper, and an old moon pie. Then I sit back in glorious expectation of a genuine junk food high. Then I Daytime, I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. Oh, but at night, I'm a junk food junkie. Good Lord, have pity on me. All right. My friends down at the commune, they think I'm pretty neat. Oh, I don't know nothing about arts and crafts, but I give them all something to eat. I'm a friend to old Yule Gibbons, and I only eat a homegrown spice. I got a John Keats autographed Grecian urn filled up with my brown rice. Yes, I do. Oh, folks, but lately I have been spotted with a Big Mac on my breath. Stumbling into a Colonel Sanders with a face as white as death. I'm afraid someday they'll find me just stretched out on my bed. (laughs) 
With a handful of Pringles potato chips And a ding-dong by my head And I take time I'm Mr. Nancy Just the healthy as I can be But at night I'm a junk food junkie Good Lord, have pity on me I don't know why, but this next song, which is uh, by Eddie Lawrence, and he was in, he did many, many years. He got got by just singing about the old philosopher, and uh, I, I found this extremely dated, but I thought you'd like to hear it anyway. Here's Eddie Lawrence, the old philosopher. Hiya, folks. You say you lost your job today. You say it's 4 a.m. and your kids ain't come home from school yet? You say your wife went out for a corned beef sandwich last week and the corned beef sandwich came back, but she didn't? You say your furniture's out all over the sidewalk because you can't pay the rent and you got chapped lips and paper cuts and your feet's all swollen up and blistered from pounding the pavement looking for work? Is that what's troubling you, fella? Lift your head up high and take a walk in the sun with a dignity and stick to it and you show the world, you show the world to get off. You'll never give up, never give up, never give up. That ship. Hey there, friend. You say your radiators didn't work all winter and now that it's summer they started up again and you can't turn them off? Say your wife sent your lightweight suits to the cleaners, and that means you'll have to wear your itchy tweeds this morning when they say it'll hit 106. And you gotta meet an important business man in an hour. And your bridge just broke, and you pasted it together with bubble gum, and you hope it don't fall apart while you're doing some fast talking to this man. And, and your shoelace just busted, and you open a big cut on your cheek trying to even out your sideburns and your daughter's gone out with a convict and your wife just confessed she gave you last sixty dollars as a deposit on an airplane hanger is that what's troubling you friend Hey there, cousin. You say you can't pull your car out of the mud and you're in the middle of nowhere and it's pouring rain and you can't get the top back up and your paycheck's all blurred and your foot went right through the gas and your girl's screaming bloody murder, she's scared of the dark and a stroke of lightning splits your motor in half and your suit's shrinking up fast and you start up the windy road on foot and 60 yards of barbed wire hits you right smack in a push. And your boat falls down in the mud and a wild animal comes over and runs away with your shoes. And your car blows up suddenly and your windshield wiper ends up in your mouth and you can't move and the mud's rising up to your nostrils and you're sinking fast and you don't hear your girl screaming anymore. Is that what's on your mind, cousin? Well, if you hit a fire, take a walk in the sun with a dignity and stick to it, and you show the world, you show the world to get off. You'll never give up, never give up, never give up. That ship. And now, this is the old philosopher saying, So long, folks.
I was always a fan of David Seville, Ross Bagdasarian, from the 1958 <clears throat> beginnings of Witch Doctor through the many incarnations of the Chipmunks. But when he was at his best, they were not just singing songs at a different speed. They really were trying to be funny. And here's one of their best. Here's David Seville, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, and Alvin's Orchestra. Well, hi, Simon. Hi. Theodore. Hi. Alvin, I see you got here early and you're rehearsing the band. That's very good. You know, I would... What's that great, big, expensive orchestra waiting for over there? Oh, boy. I'm sure glad they don't belong to... Alvin? Alvin? Say something, Alvin. Everybody ready, violin, saxophone, you trumpet? Mean you hired all those musicians? You bet I did. You know how much a 50-piece orchestra costs? Ready, boy? Wait a minute. You don't need a 50-piece orchestra to play for three chipmunks. Oh, how we love to go for a ride and see the country far and wide. Look at the snow and the frost. With you wait. We roll the windows up and down and toot the horn in every town. Who cares what the orchestra costs? I'll tell you who. We're happy while we're rolling along. We're singing every goofy song. Boy, what a joy, what fun. down and listen to me, you just cannot go around. Listen, 50 musicians cost over, let me see, 2,000 times 50. Do you realize? Alvin, stop leading that expensive orchestra and come over here. Here's my favorites from the late 1960s. They irritated the heck out of Lyndon Johnson and the Democratic administration, and they would have done the same to the Republican administration. Here are the Smothers Brothers and American history. Our next history lesson from my brother, 
And we start off with different uh, fictional characters. Tom, can you step up? I'd like to ask you a few questions on some of our mythical heroes, American heroes. Certainly. What do you know about Paul Bunyan? Paul Bunyan. Uh-huh. Paul Bunyan is a giant of a man with a... He had a big blue puma. A vicious blue puma flying around. And nobody better mess with Paul Bunyan said, Sick him, you big blue puma! <laughs> Paul Bunyan did not have a puma. He had a big blue puma. Oh, no. Paul Bunyan, the giant he of the woodsman with a big blue puma. Oh, yeah? Nobody mess around with Paul Bunyan. <laughs> Since when do pumas have horns coming out of their head? Horny puma. No. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> For your information... That horny puma happened to be an ox. A big blue ox. That's right. All right, enough of Paul Bunyan. Let's get to uh, real people that actually live. Billy the Kid. You ever hear of Billy the Kid? Billy the Kid. And, and, and Billy. Billy Go Grump! Clip clop, clip clop. Who goes on my bridge? It's I, Big Billy Go Grump! You better get off my bridge, cried the owner. You better watch out, I'm Billy Go Grub! <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm afraid you have the wrong kid. Stop, that I'm was... not talking about goats. Billy the Kid was a baby-faced killer of the early West. He looks a lot like you, Tom. He's a baby-faced killer looked like a lot like you, Tom. <laughs> because Billy the Kid... He was a victim of society. Billy Kid came up, was, was a, a poor little boy in a bad neighborhood. And as a little child, they had a little deprived playground. All the little kids, all Billy the Kid's friends, a little deprived playground. All the kids used to go around this little playground. and had a, the, the playground had a big swing. had a big swing with two ropes coming down and no seat. <laughs> kids used to sit in the dirt and swing the ropes. <laughs> They, 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 had, they had a teeter with no totter. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't sound like uh, they, much of a playground. They had a, they had a sandbox. They had a big sandbox, a big green sandbox. Wonderful. And, and there was no sand in it. Wait a minute, how could they have a sandbox with no sand in it? Just, just was sitting there. Well, it didn't what, have any sand in it. Well, what was in it? Um, pumas. There was vicious pumas in the, the sandbox. Oh, I get The kids used to go and they say, Hey, Mom, there's a puma in our sandbox! <laughs> you know how pumas hang around sandboxes. <laughs> well, Billy, you don't go in that sandbox anymore, then. <laughs> they had a slide. They had a slide. It was a big slide. It was on 11 feet, that ladder, 11 feet up. The kids would climb up the, the slide, and there was no slide part. <laughs> they climb up there and go, boom! <laughs> they say, boy, that's a fast slide. <laughs> <laughs> Think I'll go play in the cat's box. <laughs> I have one last question now, Tommy. And that is, what do you know about the greatest, greatest American of all time? George Washington. George Washington. Father of our country. 
George Washington, when he was just a child, just a boy, honesty and integrity were his trademarks. And the classic story, of course, we all remember the classic story when George Washington's father came up to George Washington. George Washington's father's name was Frank, and he came up to George Washington, and he, and he said to George Washington, he said, George Washington, father of our country. Uh, my son, I'll ask you a question. Um, do you know, you know someone cut down the cherry tree? You know, do you know anything about that? Someone cut down my favorite cherry tree. You know, the one out in the backyard. You know, the one next incinerator. And George Washington, though, is just a, just a youth. He looked at his father and he said, Father, I cannot tell a lie. It was I who cut down that cherry tree. And his father looked at him with tears in his eyes and smashed him in the mouth. Washington told the yeah. truth, Tommy. He told the truth to his father. Why would his father smash him in the mouth? Because George Washington cut down the cherry tree. And his father was in the cherry tree. Picking his <laughs> Joe Tex was one of the most unusual blues singers because although he had a great blues voice, he liked to do some kind of strange, goofy stuff, as this one shows as Joe Tex sings Skinny Legs and All. She don't belong to you Just cause her got them little skinny legs You know that ain't no way to do <laughs> You didn't act like that when you had it home behind closed doors Alright Now you act like you're ashamed of the woman Don't even want nobody to know she's yours But that's alright You just walk on, baby you worry about a doggone thing at all Because there's some man somewhere who'll take you, baby Skinny legs and all Keep on walking, baby Show you what I'm talking about Listen to this Now, who'll take the woman with the skinny legs? Stand right there, baby I'm going to give you away in a minute Come on, somebody please take the lady with the skinny legs I don't know now, y'all know the lady with skinny legs got to have somebody, too, now. I don't know. <laughs> Will somebody please take the lady with the skinny legs, please? Hey, Joe. Yeah, Bobby. How would you take? Yeah, boo. I don't want no one with no skinny legs. Look here. I thought about giving this woman a cloud, but no. So I know the kind of women cloud like. Go Leroy or take her. Say, Leroy, you got Now, why you want to act like that man ain't yours? 
It's cause he's walking with you with them raggedy clothes. Man just forgot to get his suit out to clean us, that's all. All right. All right. Act like that man don't belong to you. Go on over there and kiss him and hold his hand. Uh, say, you ain't gonna do what? That's all. You just walk on, mister. And don't you worry about a doggone thing at all. Because there's some woman somewhere who will take you, Mr. Raggedy Cole. Yes, there is. Let's keep on going. The great Joe Tex. Alan Sherman could make fun of anything, but he preferred to make fun of his own kind, that is the Jews, and he did so. Here is two absolutely incredible pieces making fun of, number one, headache commercials in the 1960s, and also fat people, especially fat wives. Here's Alan Sherman with Headaches and Grow Mrs. Goldfarb. Headaches, headaches, aspirin commercials give me headaches, just when I'm feeling chipper as you please, that's when they show me all my sinus cavities, headaches, headaches, those sponsors don't care how I headaches. See that announcer, he looks so fine. His head should ache like mine. <laughs> headaches, headaches. Those pounding hammers give me headaches. They say it once and then they say again. Oh, tension, pressure, pain. Oh, tension, pressure, pain. Headaches. Headaches Those sponsors love it when my headaches Mother, don't hand me those pills from the shelf I'd rather do it myself Sponsors love it when my head aches. There is one remedy that's unsurpassed. And their commercials give me headaches. Fast, fast, fast. Headaches. Headaches. Aspirin commercials give me headaches. Two 
day I swallowed the best cure yet. I ate my TV set. <laughs> Mrs. Goldfarb, fatter, fatter, pile the potatoes on your platter. Listen to me, cause I'm your hubby. I just adore you, plump and chubby. I got a letter from the state, dear. You're gonna need a license plate, dear. My little elephant joke come true. Chew, Mrs. Goldfarb, chew. <laughs> there is so much more of you, more to adore of you, cause you're not slender. In your white dress, you're a doll, big as the Taj Mahal, in all its splendor. When you're in department stores, don't use revolving doors, you might get stuck, dear. When you use the telephone, go in the booth alone, and lots of luck, dear. You had for breakfast two pounds bacon, three dozen eggs, one coffee cake, and then you had something really awful. Four kippered herrings on a waffle. Nine English muffins, one baked apple. Boston cream pie, Philadelphia scrapple. Seventeen bowls of crispy crunch. Then you said, what's for lunch? <laughs> Sweetheart, you are giant size, you are Lane Bryant size, my darling Myrtle. Last Thanksgiving, I was thrilled, you ate so much you killed your living girdle. Have another dozen shrimp, my lovely little blimp, don't count a calorie. I have just received a stub, I owe the diner's club, I'll hold your salary. Eat Mrs. Goldfarb daily, nightly, eat though your chair is bending slightly. Love of my life, I'm glad I found you, each day I take I'll walk around you I can't forget when we got married Over the threshold I got carried No other bride would be so sweet Eat Mrs. Goldfarb, eat! <laughs> If you ever remember the comedy roasts done by Dean Martin in the 70s, 1970s, you remember some of the greatest comic bits by some of the greatest comedians ever. I have two for you tonight. One was by a man that was gone too quickly to even get to know him and love him, and that was Freddie Prinze, Puerto Rican by birth, New Yorker, uh, he took the world by storm and 
took his way out of this life the hard way by by doing himself in, and it's a shame. He was a great comedian, as as this will tell you. Uh, the, the best part about these things is that they are making fun of themselves and others. Here are two pieces. The first one by Freddie Prinze. He is roasting Sammy Davis Jr. And after that, Foster Brooks was my father's favorite comedian. The man is absolutely hilarious in what he does. And here, also roasting Sammy Davis is probably one of the most hilarious bits on television ever. Here they are, Freddie Prinze and Foster Brooks being introduced by Dino Wino Martin <laughs> in just hilarious. Listen. <laughs> gentlemen, a funny young man who's taken the country by storm, Mr. Freddie Prinze. Thank you very much, Ding. I've been watching you on TV for years. A lot of years. I heard all those stories about the way you booze it up. I just want to tell you, if you fall down tonight, I'm not picking you up because it's not my job. <laughs> I'm proud to honor Sammy Davis Jr., who overcame the prejudice against his minority background to become a superstar. It's not easy being Jewish. <laughs> being Puerto Rican myself, I have a special feeling for all minorities. Chicanos, Indians, Eskimos, Republicans. <laughs> it's really strange because, like, Sammy's a very special guy to me. He's a brother, which is not too thrilling for my mom. <laughs> I can just hear her say, he's not your brother. That was not my job. No. from the same ghetto, except uh, his people got there before we did. <laughs> Sam is someone who is really dazzling to a kid just out of New York, like a fascinating sight, wearing a long white fur coat, rings, jewelry, high heels. I didn't know whether to ask him for an autograph or a date. Now I know him better, I realize I could have gotten both. <laughs> Why didn't they write that for me? Because <laughs> I got a knife. <laughs> moved out to California to do my show, Sammy took me under his wing. And uh, he actually let me big in the, live in his big Beverly Hills mansion. And uh, it was the best gardener's job I ever had. <laughs> Real fun to stay in his house, man. A lot of fun. Because he has a screening room with a projector. And uh, every night he'd show movies. He told me they were great classics of the silver screen. And monumental triumphs of film history. Such pictures like Ocean's Eleven, Sergeant's Three, Robin and the Seven Hoods. And every picture, Sammy had the same line. Frank, can I get you a drink? 
Sammy is really upset. He ran out of minorities to represent. <laughs> and he wanted to be Puerto Rican. He said, would I please make him Puerto Rican? I said, be my pleasure. But you've got to trade in your Stutz Bearcat for a 64 Chevy with pom-poms on the antenna, saints in the dashboard, and a little dog in the back window with the dashboard going open. up girls but I went to Sammy and said Sammy look man I'm in Hollywood and I have no women man I want you to fix it up for me would you please do it and he said all right Freddie tonight I'm gonna fix you up with a star I said really and that night at 7 p.m. the limousine rolled up and I'm in my tuxedo waiting and the door opens and there was a star mom's Mabley <laughs> she said to me she said honey you can keep them black guys because they's all chicken what I need me is a hot Puerto Rican <laughs> Chairman of the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Buster Frooks. to be standing here and I rather imagine you're surprised that I am <laughs> last time you and I were side by side somebody stepped on my tongue <laughs> ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen folks This man, D. Martin, D. Martin, D. Martin has a, without a doubt, the warmest heart in show business. And you would, too, if you drank Sterno. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Further, the MGM Grand Hotel has asked me to uh, ask me to uh, ask me to ask me to ask me to tell, tell you something. We don't mind if you have par parties in your room with a lot of scantily dressed girls running around, but please have a little consideration for, for your neighbors and also for me. Next time, please cover up your keyhole. <laughs> On behalf of the sir. <laughs> On behalf of the citizen, gentlemen, the citizen. <laughs> folks of Las Vegas. I'm here to give our thanks to this superstar, Sandy Duncan Jr. Oh. Where would Las Vegas be without you, Slammy? Slummy? Slammy? Probably out in the middle of some desert. 
Snoopy. <laughs> you have many, you have many handicaps to overcome on your way to becoming the beloved star you think you are. <laughs> Whenever you play Las Vegas, many people benefit financially. And may I add a finer bunch of girls you couldn't ask for. <laughs> Come to think of it, I asked for one of them last night. Did you get yours? Mr. Dick, Mr. Davis, you are a great performer. The excitement you create in an audience is incredible. There they sit, spellbound, wondering if someone in your entourage is ransacking their room. From dancing for pennies to that magnificent moment when Frank Sinatra phoned down to the lobby and said, send the colored kid up to dance while I shave. All right, that about does it for another old-time rock and roll. i got to tell you, I have enjoyed this. I have been playing those two pieces uh, from Freddie and Foster Brooks all week. I just can't get enough of it. And they are hilarious. I mean, uh, it's amazing how people could take things in those days. And I think with with, uh, Christmas and Hanukkah coming on, it is a shame that so many people, and I hate to get on my soapbox, but it's a shame that so many people uh, have complaints about uh, who's putting up a Christmas tree and who's putting up a menorah or a star or David or uh, another star or, uh, and playing Christmas carols. And you know when I say this every time, it takes a Jewish singer to produce a great Christmas song. And you listen to them all. They're, they're just, they're out there. Um, Barbara Streisand, uh, Neil Diamond, great. Barry Manilow, just so many great ones just to talk about. You really do. It, and, and they didn't care. They wanted to sing a song that had meaning and, and they sang it. They didn't say, well, I'm going to sing a song about Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. No, come on, guys. This life is too short to spend your time complaining and worrying about who you are. Accept it and make fun of it because that's the best there is. Making fun of yourself is so much better and it's so healthy and it's, and it's not bad. I mean, if you ever listen to our, um, our show, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, where I share the stage with Two absolutely 
histrionic uh, Democrats who don't know anything but the party line. Uh, it's and they always say the same thing, uh, but we make fun of each other, and and that's what makes it all worthwhile. So when you can't, if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't laugh at anybody. So until we meet again. And don't forget, we got some great shows coming on in December. Uh, Christmas shows galore. I guarantee you some of this music you have not heard. Songs by Fats Domino and Elvis and the Beatles and so many more. The Monkees and, oh, the Carpenters and a million songs that, that you just haven't heard in such a long time. Plus the classics that you have and some of the funniest and most hilarious Christmas novelties in another show. So, be with us every week. Please remember, old-time rock and roll is now on, and I'll try and get this for you, so you'll get this. Uh, you can go directly to the site by going to www.talkshoe.com slash tc slash 2668. Now, the website as I told you before, is O-T-R-N-R dot Bravehost dot com. And that's where you'll find our, we're, we're building that new website. And of course, you will f- find our donation button on there already. So you can do that if you please. I certainly would appreciate it. And until we see you again next week, this is Lee Douglas, by the way. Uh, I hope you've had a fabulous Thanksgiving if you're living in this country. And if you're not, I hope you're, living, you're enjoying it just the same. Because we all have plenty to be thankful for. This is Lee Douglas for everybody here at Old Time Rock and Roll. That is a wrap. Everything I had to put the hood on me. Ooh. Life is a 